This is Dale Jr., and you're listening to Dirty Mo' Radio. Hey everybody, it's Dale Jr. back again for another episode of The Download, and we are in the Dirty Mo Radio studio. Exalta by, Studio. By Exalta, yeah. Presented by Exalta, or however you want to say it. It's the Exalta Studio. All right. At Junior Motorsports. Okay. I like it. And I'm Tyler Overstreet. <clears throat> he is Tyler Overstreet. we got a nice group of fans that came out today. Uh, we have... Uh, we have, um, you know, obviously the studio is here at Junior Motorsports in the corner of the gift shop. So if you guys want to come out here and watch us record, uh, please do. We got a special uh, treat for everybody later in the show. Yes. Should we tell them now? We can tell them now. Okay. We got Jimmy Johnson. Uh, we're going to call him up. Call him up. And we're going to talk to Jimmy about uh, we need answers. a few things. All right, so let's talk about the Richmond race. I, I said on the Periscope after the race, the post-race Periscope that I do on my Twitter uh, handle, Dale Jr., we weren't going to talk about this. For very long. Oh. That was in parentheses. Okay. Well, we finished 30th. Yeah. That's terrible. I'm sick of it. I think if any dumb thing could happen this year. It's happened. <laughs> yeah. And we're only nine races in. Yep. We got our third speeding penalty of the season. I didn't know we had that many. That's a lot. Yeah, I know, for a whole season. Yeah. Atlanta, Martinsville, and then Richmond. We should have probably, instead of calling Jimmy, have called uh, Travis Peterson, who sets up my dash for me, and ask him Oh, yeah, the engineer. The, yeah, ask him about this uh, uh, rash of speeding penalties we've had this season. Yeah, because during that caution, you said, I guess the lights aren't right today. I'm losing a lot of faith in this. All right, so this is how it works. Uh, we don't have a speedometer. We really don't have a tachometer anymore. I have lights on the dash, and they start with uh, they start green, then they turn yellow. Uh, there's basically like four green lights, two yellow lights, two orange lights, and then red lights, and they all kind of light up just like a RPM bar would. Uh, so you kind of you know you're going down pit road. If you're in, if you got just green lights, you're going too slow. Um, if you have two yellow lights, you're going the speed limit, all right, or just under breaking the speed limit. So Two yellow lights should be safe. Uh, when we have a pit road that has a bend in it, you run two orange lights, uh, and that should be safe. Anytime you see any red lights, you're speeding. That's how. That's it. That's that's as simple as it is. So from inside the car, I have a simple job, and you go out there and you do that job, and you get called for speeding. And and it was the last section, so it was in a bend. Yeah, it was in a bend. Uh, you know, it's just uh, we're pushing it, being aggressive on the lights, and we, maybe we need to be a little more conservative till we can put together, you know, uh, some solid finishes. And yeah, because at that point you were running like eighth or ninth. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one mile an hour on pit road in the last segment is not making or making or breaking our race. We need to be a little more conservative, I think. And, and I don't want to have to do that inside the car. If they're asking me to run two yellow lights down pit road, I don't want to run just one. Uh, you want to maximize it. Yeah, I want to just run two yellow yeah. lights. Just be, you know, we should probably just be a little more conservative. We'll see how that works out. I'm going over to HMS today. Something we'll probably definitely talk about in our team meeting. Uh, but we need to stop doing that. We had contact with Jimmy Johnson. 
Jimmy and uh, I will talk about that later in the race, so we won't really get into this too much. Obviously, uh, we had a uh, conversation outside of the car once we got to pit road, and he didn't see us. Didn't know yeah. we were there. But prior prior to that, um, I think we've said on this show, like, we got to be aggressive with the pit calls and whatnot. And y'all were, like, staying out there. You were one of two cars that had stayed out yeah. for a long, long time. So you're being aggressive on the pit call, hoping I, for a caution, and then ended up being involved in the caution. Yeah. Yeah, I was fine with the with the strategy to stay out there. wasn't really hurting us. We had moved to the top. That was actually a really good run for us. We had made a change right before uh, that particular run that I loved, and the car was pretty competitive. Um, everybody was coming to pit road, and the guys that had all pitted, pretty much the whole field had pitted, except for a few of us. They had all began to slow down, and uh, you know their their cars were you know falling off like they typically do, and we and you know, the speed we were running compared to them wasn't that bad. So it was going to work out for us to stay out on the racetrack. And, um, you know, had that, you know, had we continued to run, I believe we'd have got the caution we were looking for that would have given us opportunity to come down pit road in the top five, hopefully leaving pit road in the top five and, and you know, getting opportunity at a great uh, finish. So Richmond was the first race since your um, yeah. <clears throat> announcement last week. That's right. Um, obviously, we recorded our podcast before the announcement, before people knew. So, what what was the reaction, like the people that came to you? Everybody just said congratulations, which I think um, is a a lot of people don't know whether to say congratulations or that they're sad or um, you know it's it's even some of the drivers and people that are working in the industry are like I'm not sure exactly what to say to you, but. Uh, most people say congratulations, and uh, which is something that uh, you don't expect to hear. Um, I don't know. I mean, everybody's been real positive. People say, uh, you know, people are saying some pretty incredible things about what you uh, may have did or how you've impacted their career. That's always incredible to hear. Um, you don't really take stock or inventory of maybe all the folks in this com in this industry that you've had contact with or influence of and so when you hear about uh, what like uh, Elliot Sadler you know may, him, him making mention of what uh, the impact of our relationship has had on him it's incredible to hear that because you don't really have those opportunities or take the time I guess to share that information with each other uh, so to hear those things is incredible uh, the fans have been real supportive obviously a lot of them love us keep racing you know my heart uh you know, would love to keep racing for till, you know, till the end of time. <laughs> uh, racing's a lot of fun. Probably the funnest thing that, um, I'll ever have the experience of, you know, the, the pleasure of doing and, uh, but it's been great. It's the, the reaction's been good. We were talking about this also on the Periscope. This is something that really was interesting to me. Kyle Larson, the last true racer. Is that going to be the name of his movie when they make a movie about Kyle Larson? Maybe. The Last Th True Racer. That would be a good like uh, documentary name. Yeah, that'd yeah. be a good movie. So Kyle, um, super guy. Yeah. All right? And very talented, obviously, showing his... Uh, In everything he yeah, drives. Pretty much, yeah. So this is his quote. There are other drivers in the cup level that go on their off weekends and run other types of racing and stuff. They don't race nearly as much as I do outside of NASCAR, and I would race a lot more if I was allowed to. That's why I feel like I'm 
the last true racer. So I like it, that you emphasize <laughs> the last true racer. Well, it reminds me of the movie that they made about Junior Johnson called The Last American Hero. Oh. So I just like saying it. Maybe it'll be a sequel. <clears throat> yeah. So he says he would race more if he was allowed to. And what he means by that is that Ganassi caps on, caps, puts a cap on how much he can race. That's understandable. Those, yeah. those sprint cars that they're he likes con- to race? Yeah, or? they're concerned about his uh, potential to get injured or what have you. He means a lot and is worth a lot to that team, so they have to kind of. If you're um, if you're at Kyle Busch, who races all kinds of NASCAR and kind of gets ridiculed about, oh, I race X amount of Xfinity races, X amount truck, of truck yeah. races, he'll go run late models, super late mm-hmm. models, and he kind of gets ridiculed for it. What? But he's a racer. He just doesn't race on dirt. Yeah. Um. So I would think Kyle Busch is a true racer. I mean, you're a true racer. You show up 38 weekends. Oh, man. Yeah, I think what he means is, okay, Let's. we got another quote here that may spell it out for you. I would love to race any type of vehicle, whether it's in a circle or a straight line or a road course. I don't care. I just feel like I think like Andretti and Foyt and Tony Stewart. I feel like I'm in the same category as them. They would race anything every day of the week. Like I said, there's a couple that will race here and there, but I would race every day of the week if I could. That's why I feel like I'm the last true racer. So the diversity of what he races. I think that's what he's getting at is he says, you know, drive a sprint car. He'd race Indy 500. He would race a Pikes Peak hill climb. He would race a soapbox derby. Apparently he would race a dragster. He would race dragsters if he could. That'd be fun. So like you compared him to Kyle Busch and Kyle Busch runs mostly, you know, strictly stock cars, you know, like trucks and a similar discipline. Yeah. You know, he mentioned he mentioned Andretti, speaking probably of Mario. Yep. Uh, A.J. Foyt and Tony Stewart. So, A.J. Foyt ran a lot of stock car races, won some stock car races. Mario Andretti won a Daytona 500. Tony Stewart ran in all types of vehicles as well. There's been a other, you know, handful of drivers that have been able to do that. I kind of have to agree with Kyle Larson that he may be – he is a true racer. Is he the last? I don't know. Hopefully but, he's not the last. Yeah. I don't think I don't hope he's not the last. Yeah, I think there'll be guys um, like him. Yeah, down, like this, down the pipe. Um, Christopher Bell seems like yeah. he'll run some sprint cars and all kinds of stuff. Yep. A lot of things that you know Kyle Larson races is able to race all these different types of cars because of his the, he has the leverage too. And the means, the sponsorship means, or the, the the financial means to do it. Yeah, like he has his own sprint car team. Right. A guy like, I mean, look, you know, Casey Kane has a sprint car team, runs a racer too, but he's lim- he's even more limited to to running outside of his Cup car than Kyle Larson. Like Rick, I know Rick does not want Casey Kane running his sprint car. I think if I was a car owner, I probably wouldn't want yeah the driver to run a sprint car. Those things are pretty scary. Yeah, I think Kyle. Larson, I think there's more true racers out there than Kyle may think. I'd like to see. You name Christopher Bell. Yep. Like if Christopher Bell, he doesn't have the leverage or the financial means to be able to go do whatever he wants to do. But if he becomes very, if he gets lucrative, uh, lucrative opportunity financially in the Cup Series, uh, then he gets that leverage and he might be able to go ahead and take control of that. Yeah. Type, you know, be able to run type of all kinds of stuff. You think Kyle Larson will ever run the Indy 500? Sure. Within, I believe he will. I bet he run it within the next three or four years. I do too. Plus the fact that he's with Ganassi. You know, so, Ganassi yeah. has the 
that's one of the, the top cars. two teams. The yeah. only thing about it, you know, the, I think another roadblock for these guys is, and I'm not real, I'm not real sure about, you know, the the how true this is, but um, sometimes like I'm not sure about Ganassi. What is Ganassi's IndyCar teams? Are they Chevrolet? They no Honda. Right. So that in itself presents a roadblock for Kyle. Manufacturer, yeah. Yeah, the manufacturer. When I was uh, racing for National Guard, um, Ray Hall was also racing with National Guard, and he was like, hey, man, come drive my car. But I couldn't because they weren't the same model, same make. So Chevy wouldn't want me going and driving. Which is understandable, yeah. Yeah, so um, in the 70s and 80s, guys would – you know, you could do that. Yeah. Manufacturers didn't have that much control over what the drivers could do. We didn't have personal service agreements with all the manufacturers to, to lock us into these kind of deals and put these roadblocks up. So, you know, there's a lot more to it than just having the desire. Yeah. There's a lot of obstacles to overcome. A lot of legalities. Yes. But I do believe Kyle, Kyle Larson will run Indy 500 before he hangs up his helmet. Looking at it this weekend, we've, we're going to Talladega, which is – considered Earnhardt country mm-hmm. six wins in the cup series one win as a driver in xfinity i know jrm has won two so you've got two as an owner in or xfinity three. and then chance i two. have more than that as an owner yeah chance two won yeah three in a row four in a row so you forget that i own chance two i know well i looked it up yesterday and it said dale Earnhardt incorporated so i didn't know what if i didn't know which one was considered which you're trying to Weasel me out of some of my successes. Tarnish your owner yeah. record. But so Talladega is a awesome track. Um, do you have any specific memories that you'd like to talk about? Uh, four in a row. Yeah. That was pretty cool. You know, it was almost five in a row. And this really still ticks me off. Um, we were coming around turn three and four, and I was side-drafting Jeff Gordon, and I was – Literally, like, another 100 yards from being in the lead. We were side-drafting him. And the 25 spun out, and they froze the field as soon as the 25's car went sideways. That was their, you know, that was the way they did it back then. As the wreck was starting to happen, that's when they froze the field. And so Jeff got the win. Remember the throwing all the water bottles I do and beer that. cans at him? Yeah, he was driving, like, a Star Wars car or something? I think he was in the Pepsi car. Pepsi car. Maybe yeah. it was Pepsi Star Wars. Yeah, maybe. But... I do remember that. That would have been freaking five in a row. And then, and and then you he know won we the won fall. the next race, which would have made it six in a row. How about yeah. that shit? Mm. That's the word that got you in trouble when you won that fifth yes. race. Oh, was it? Yeah. Mm. Whenever you said shit in victory yep. lane. Well. It's frowned upon. That's also another good memory. I thought. Was that a good memory? Yeah, because. Oh. Okay, so. Um, Janet, Jack- Janet Jackson started this uh you know, big mess with the FCC and um, with Justin Timberlake and the halftime show for the Super Bowl. So anytime anything even remotely out of bounds happened on TV, people were getting fined left and right, right? So so you're blaming wait, wait, Janet wait. Jackson? This is a story I'm telling you. So that's what started it all. So that's why that's why NASCAR makes the knee-jerk reaction to to penalize me. But... Before that, um, Johnny Salter said the word shit on in an interview after getting wrecked in a truck race. Uh, maybe a week or so before 
the Talladega race. But his was in a negative manner. You're going to tell the story for me. So well, that's exactly what my point. So he's out of the car, angry, mad, and he says that, and he gets penalized. And then I said it in like a moment of celebration, and that was my argument with Helton. I was like, man, I didn't say it as a you know derogatory mean in a mean way. I was like celebrating. I can't believe you guys are going to penalize me for you know being excited. Um, but you can say shit now in an interview and not get penalized. What is, you know, and nothing really has changed. I mean, it's not like it's just public perception. It's funny to me how the thing with Janet Jackson had everybody on edge and NASCAR included was watching their ass. So when we said those, you know, we said that in Victor Lane, we get penalized, but it, yeah, now it's okay. How did that negotiation process with Elton go? He called me and I was on vacation. He called me and said, I'm going to have to penalize you. And I was having, I was on vacation, so I didn't care. I was like, all right. <laughs> Time, yeah. I mean, I wasn't going to let that, nothing like that go and ruin my vacation, man. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. D- the one cool memory that I have from Talladega was last fall. Obviously, you weren't in the race, but we rode in that big truck. Oh, yeah. So that's going to, that's maybe going to be a little weird this weekend, like standing on pit road, watching it go by. You want to ride in it again? No. Okay. I've done that. I didn't really have a seat in that because I was trying to video it for our social media. Mm-hmm. It seemed very unsafe, but it was a cool experience. <laughs> yep. It was pretty fun. Well, we'll do it again next year. Next year? Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Maybe you could drive it next year. Mm. Are you capable of driving something like that? Yeah. Okay. You think things are way too difficult. That guy was shifting gears and stuff. I don't know that you've drove a big truck like that. Shifting gears. I shift gears all the time. They're not the same. They're They're the the same. No, they're not. Yes, they are. Gears are gears. Okay. So you're going to drive, you could drive the 88 hauler? Sure. I'm going to negotiate that for you. This is going to be very anticlimactic when I can drive, when I drive it up and down the road and back. Yeah. You're going to be like, okay. You're going to drive it, no, down the interstate, around other cars. Fine. It won't five be. five o'clock traffic. It's not going to be as exciting and daring as you think. Okay. All right. So we went on a, a cycling ride in Richmond. This is the first time that I rode with Matt Kenseth and Jamie McMurray, big time cyclers. Is Matt? Matt's Matt. huge in cycling. All right. So I ride with Jimmy every Friday pretty much in between practice and qualifying. Jimmy's real cool about, you know, understanding that I'm I'm a novice definitely not as strong as he is and fast up the hills and stuff so when we ride we kind of all stay together pretty easy going now Matt Kenseth is not as accommodating he just goes yeah so a couple times I got chunked off the back of the group and um I'd have to catch him at the next stoplight is it like in NASCAR when you lose the draft yes it's hard so when you're in draft you really feel like you're working only half as hard because you know, you just kind of tuck in behind the guy that's in front of you, and you really don't have to pedal that hard. You can feel it in your legs immediately as soon as you get in behind somebody that, you know, your legs are burning even, like crazy. Even going uphill? Nah, well, not really. Yeah. Uphill is going to be a load. Okay, I figured. But when you when you lose a draft, it, you're you're screwed. It was me, Chase, Casey Kane, McMurray, Kenseth, and Jimmy Johnson, and my pilot, Jeff Melton. And pretty much everybody in that group's a serious rider, except for Chase and me. And um, but I hung in there. It was tough. But when Matt Kenseth leads, I'm in trouble because he don't care if I fall off the back. <laughs> he just keeps going and don't look back. Is he like a 
seasoned pro like Jimmy, like been riding for years or? Yeah, he's been riding for a while and he does a lot of mountain biking, which is actually pretty tough. And I think that's where he gets most of his strength. Um, McMurray uses the Peloton bike. He has one of those in, in indoor Peloton bikes. Amy has one too. So Jamie rides that all winter long. And When's Amy going to join the group? I got her a bike that I borrowed and I'm trying, I'm going to try to get her to the bike shop this week to get geared up and maybe see if we can't tool around the neighborhood a little bit and see what she thinks. She's interested. Oh, interesting. There you go. She's intrigued. She says that she's worried that if, you know, she's like, man, you're not, you know, you're going to leave me or you're going to, you're gonna, I'm not going to be as fast as you and you're going to run off. I'm like, I'm not going to run off and leave you. Damn. Like, I'm, I'll just dial it back a little bit. But Matt Kenseth, he would leave her. Yeah. <laughs> man, Matt. It's terrible when he he when he takes the lead of the peloton. It's bad. So who's, can t- whose call is that? Like, all right, going to the front. Matt's really impatient, so he just gets in the front all the time. Oh, he's like, we're going too slow. I'm leading. Damn. Then everybody's out of breath. Even Jimmy. Even Jimmy. Damn. Yep. So, uh, anyways, we're going to talk about that a little bit more with Jimmy on the call in. Ten yeah. minutes with Jimmy coming up after a while. That should be a new segment, 10 yep. Minutes with Jimmy. We're going to do 10 minutes. That's that's what we're going to call all of our interviews, 10 Minutes with Whoever. All right, so we got Jimmy Johnson on the line. He is in uh, Colorado. Jimmy, you go to Colorado all the time. Yeah, we've got a place out here. We're back to North Carolina and – get back into the the regular grind but I mean, yeah. i've always wanted to be a ski bum and uh, we spent the winter out here with the kids in school and we're we're near the end of our stay and head to charlotte so i uh, caught you so what time is it out there Five fifty-four. and what are you doing right now <laughs> um i was on my trainer on zwift yeah. uh getting a ride in before the the day started and i had to get the kids to school um, someday you'll, uh, well, you'll be done recent. So, um, <laughs> uh, in order to stay fit, there's some days I've just got to get up at five and, and get the work done. So I was yeah. on the bike when you texted and glad to be on your podcast. Yeah, man. I appreciate you. This is our, you're actually our first, uh, interview, right? Tyler? Ever. Ever. Yeah. yeah. So we've had how many wow. shows? This is the 12th show. 12th show, and you're our first interview. Obviously, we had a pretty eventful uh, race on Sunday, um, <laughs> and it was, you know, it is what it is. Is your so, mom okay with me? Yeah, she just, she's a trip. Mom's good. I have to, t- I have, I when she, she texts me after every race, and usually they're they're pretty funny. She doesn't mean to be funny, but uh, she's just new to uh, social media. She's not on Twitter or anything like that, and um, she's new to texting, to be honest with you. So as you can <laughs> as you can tell by her shorthand, but it's uh, it's funny to share with folks what she says sometimes because I don't know she's kind of yeah. yeah she's old school and been around racing a long time so it's pretty funny but uh, yeah she's fine um, and we're all good fans like think that whenever we have a run in that we're gonna get mad at each other but teammates don't get mad at I each know. other too often at the time though were you mad no. Um, you know, I, it, the, as as wild as it was, I knew it wasn't a mis- I knew it wasn't like he just wasn't giving me room. Um, I knew how hard we hit. I was like, he didn't even know I was there. So there, it wasn't like uh, like me and Jeff uh, ran into each other at Bristol. I ran into Jeff really and cut his left rear tire. Now that he was mad. Yeah, Ev was his crew chief, and so that's understandable. But 
I knew when we hit that Jimmy had no clue that I was even there. So, <laughs> I think we were both pretty shocked. I was, yes, and you were too. <laughs> I bet, yeah, because you didn't know shocked. you didn't know any more than I did. Um, I didn't know, man. I, I, I was uh, on that group like stop. They gave me a water bottle, and I've got we we have that little pouch on the side right. um, for our hat and our glasses. Well, the water bottle's in that. And the water bottle, as I hit the brakes going into turn one, is trying to come out of that pouch and go under my pedals. So for <laughs> five or seven laps, whatever I was out there, I've got one hand on braking holding my water bottle. And I think that's where I didn't hear my spotter telling me that there was a car on the outside as I was going into the corner. Yeah. And then I didn't, he didn't say anything off the turn, um, just assuming that I knew that you were there and you were going to. And I clearly came out to the wall uh, with all intentions to have the entire racetrack to myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it um, you know it's pretty funny uh, reading some of the fans' comments on Twitter. I don't really see everything, and I'm sure you don't either. There's so much information uh, flying at me. Well, half of them spell my name wrong, so I think the the old football coach ends up getting hazed to death when something like this happens. <laughs> yeah. How many championships <laughs> do you think you got to win before they learn how to spell your name? I know, right? Yeah. It's terrible. <laughs> it is. It's funny. I did it one time. Um, I never even thought about it. And me and Jimmy and uh, our other teammates were doing this. Uh, we were doing some media for uh, HMS, and we're sitting down uh, filming some video. And we had to write We had to write each driver's name on a piece of paper. And it was a posed, we got posed a question about maybe who was who's the best plate racer or something like that. And... Um, I wrote Jimmy's name on my piece of paper, but I spelt it with a Y, and, <laughs> and right in front of him. So, and he, he grabs a piece of paper and and spells it properly for me. That was pretty embarrassing. But um, and so Lucky never you have an easy name. I know. Never again will I make that mistake. Um, so Jimmy, I've been called far worse. So I'm not uh, yeah, a lot of folks have really um, been uh, picking up on our uh, fitness program. Been uh, we've been doing a lot of cycling and uh, a lot of cool uh, technology and posting all kinds of stuff on social media. It's been a blast, and I've been trying to tell people kind of how all that started and who was spearheading this, and that was you in the off season. So um, talk to us a little bit about fitness and and why you think that's so critical to um, not just yourself uh, personally, but uh, your 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 career and you know decisions you make inside the race car. Yeah, for me, I mean, years ago, I, I knew that I, I needed to do more, um, you know, from an athletic standpoint. And you know, I've got this great, you know, uh, kind of honor and privilege to drive a race car for a living. And, and just in my heart, I knew I wasn't doing everything that I should. So I started with a, a weights program and then it led into triathlon and being outdoors. And once I got to the outdoor side and, and started riding and running and, and got in the pool, you know, the discipline that it took to figure those things out. Um, instantly I saw it cross over to my day job and I started making better decisions with how I used my day, what I did, started feeling better. And I honestly felt that I started um, being more alert and aware in the car and, and just better all around. So, um, you know, typically when I get into something, I fall, you know, fall in head first and I have, and I've been there for quite a while and it's been cool to have, you know, the support from Hendrick Motorsports, um, to kind of start a program and try to get everybody up and going. And we've been obviously able to get Jamie on into work with, uh, with all the drivers. And I've worked with him for a lot of years. So he understands the schedule and routine. And then I just have to commend you and Chase and, and Casey for, uh, for being so minded to it. Our crew chiefs as well. They're involved on, on a lot of these things. Um, and I think everybody can see the benefits once you experience it firsthand. 
sure it makes you stronger, makes you better in the car, but I think there's a mental side to it from a discipline side. Um, when you're suffering on the bike, it's like suffering in the car. Um, you know, and then obviously being outside and you've lived this for so many years, you know, on a Saturday in Richmond, when, what would you normally do? Yeah. You just sit, sit around the bus, the bus and hang out all day. And we went out and saw, you know, all kinds of cool stuff. So, um, it's, it's good for the brain in a lot of ways. Yeah. I appreciate, uh, you pushing us as hard as you had. You loaned me a bike about 10 months ago. It finally, it took me about, uh, eight months to convince myself to get on it, but I really, I really, enjoyed... I think it was two years and eight months <laughs> or a year and eight months. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I really enjoyed it, man. I really have, I've, uh, you know, we, I, we don't all spend an, you know, enough time, um, together, uh, outside of, you know, what, when we see each other at the racetrack and obviously in the meetings and stuff. So it's awesome to be able to do things, uh, recreationally with your teammates and people that you work with. We get to really, um, talk about things outside of racing. I love the social aspect of the cycling, which I had no idea it was such a social activity Yeah, and all the technology too, you know, we're, um, uh, the, the relive app that you showed me the other day where you basically yeah. can post on social media and show everyone exactly where you're riding. Really cool. Um, the community on Strava is incredibly supportive. Um, everybody's really, uh, it's, it's an accountability, uh, aspect or, a, there's a, there's a, there's a part of count, accountability and, and, uh, encouragement that goes on in the fitness community. That's, uh, that's really special. Uh, absolutely. Really is. As a matter of fact, um, today we, you'll be calling in, you're in Colorado, but today me and Chase and Jamie on our, our coach, uh, we're going to go run after lunch. So awesome. I have a question for you since I'm new to, uh, to the fitness, um, I'm going to eat lunch. How do I not throw up my lunch if I go run right after lunch? You just don't eat much. Don't you eat much. Be careful. All right. No. No, snack. Snack further out and then just eat lightly or, you know, keep hydrating. But, yeah, yeah running is probably the most brutal. Um, you can eat and ride. Um, eating and swimming really doesn't go too well. Right. But uh, running and, and eating just, yeah, you'll 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 visit that food again. That's been a, that's been a struggle for me as far as how to, uh, how to position the food when I'm supposed to eat and then when I'm supposed to work out. Cause typically, um, they, they kind of go hand in hand. You get, you're going to eat dinner, then go work out. But a lot of times that's, you know, like you say, you revisit that food. Um, yeah, just sip on a sports drink too. I mean, that's <laughs> what those things are designed for. Honestly, oh. Gatorade's full of carbohydrates and some calories. And that's, that's a great way. Um, your stomach does better on fluids than, than solids for whatever reason. So makes sense. sip on some of that and you'll be good. All right, bud. Well, that's 10 minutes with Jimmy Johnson. I appreciate you letting us give you a call today in Colorado. I hope you have a good week, and we'll see you in Talladega, buddy. Thanks, brother. See you soon. Later. If you love Dale Jr., then Exalta Racing is your go-to social media account on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It brings you insider's info all weekend long on the 88 team. It's at Exalta Racing, a must-follow for any Dale Jr. fan. All right, guys, we're going to get to our Ask Junior questions. These are questions that we received on Twitter using the hashtag Ask Junior. Um, Mike Davis has joined us here in the Exalta Studios. We're going to get right to it. All right, fellas, you ready? Yes. So I want to lead off with the first question that we did receive on Twitter. Have you thought, Dale, ever uh, – have you ever thought about asking Tony Stewart to go on one of your bike rides? No. Why wouldn't you? Because he probably doesn't <laughs> – cycle and he's probably impossible to convince it doesn't hurt to ask yeah i know i know my um i know my limitations on being able to 
to sell something like that to him, and it's probably impossible. So why waste your time? You know, though, it would be good content. In fact, if you do this 10-minute interviews, your 10 yeah. minutes could be 10 minutes of trying to convince Tony to do <laughs> bike riding. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Are you periscoping the I'm periscope? I'm periscoping the periscope. Well, that seems redundant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How, why would they watch the Dirty Mo periscope they would, if they're going to watch that's yours? That's a great question. And the answer is they wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> We're competing. <laughs> they wouldn't watch it. The look on Mike's face. <laughs> That's a good question there, Tyler. All right, let's go to the next question uh, for, the, for the tens of you that are watching this now. Um, <laughs> Pittman Harley asks, will you please continue podcasting after you retire? Yeah. We've got that question from a lot of people. I'm going to retire from life? Yeah. They, didn't, they missed that quote last week when we talked about not retiring from life. Yeah. Like, are you going to podcast? Are you still going to be on social media? Yeah. Good. So That's good news. All right, Helen J50 asks... You get the trophy and the check for winning a race. What do you? What does your spotter and crew get? Hmm. <laughs> I really don't know what their deal is. They, they probably a- don't know my deal either. So it's <laughs> we've been meaning to ask them what they get all these years. We should. We're they gonna get a, we're gonna get hats. ten minute ten minutes with Adam Jordan. Yeah, <laughs> Adam. What do you get when we win? You know, TJ would tell you. Oh, if, oh, if, oh if he'll tell like you what you don't wrong. get. No, 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 right. no. That's it. They get a bonus anytime anybody in any either car in the shop wins. So even when Jimmy wins, our team gets a bonus. The forty-eight eighty-eight shot. Yeah. Right. Okay. So if I win, there, you know, forty-eight guys also, the whole shop sort of. You remember when Lowe's was doing that uh, gift card? Gift card, man. There's a lot of people did some home improvement uh, projects over the years yep. on that on that team. Plate Race 88 asks, are you hunting turkey with a bow or shotgun on your upcoming trip? I only sh- uh, hunt with a bow. All right. But I probably, um, I'm probably going to do shotgun this time since you asked. Changing it up. Plate, oh, gosh. Plate Race 88 has st- a lot of influence in your life. <laughs> Ray Hostin asks, would you and Amy ever consider a reality show focused on retired life and all good things you do off the track? Man, I don't know. There probably isn't enough money uh, to make me do a reality show. Really? Yeah. I've just seen those destroy so many lives. That's true. Name me one one family or marriage or anything that survived a reality show. Mm. I want to really take this seriously. I what mean, I'm not asking is? two reality show aficionados, but. No. <clears throat> All right. Hulk Hogan didn't last. Nope. <laughs> John Force and his wife, they were that was my all time favorite reality show. They were sort of it created what did he say? They they liked each other, they didn't love each other. Or, I, or they're still married. Yeah, the show know. the show probably created some struggles. Yeah. Uh who else? You know, didn't do well for uh Jessica, Jessica Simpson. Nope. The Osborne's didn't You're right. Don't Ozzie. do it. Yeah, it, just don't do I it. I think we just have to answer the question. Yep. There's not an amount of money that we would do that. It seems like that the reality T V show. Uh, you know, you just gotta, you're going to have to make some sacrifices. And one of them might be your sanity. That's right. All right, let's move on here. How, you know what? I'm going to tease this. While it's not a reality show, mm-hmm. Dale Jr. will be announcing soon a television project, a, a television series oh, project. You're going to hear it here first? No, no, I said I'm going to tease it. Yeah, I'm not, know. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> well, I know, but he just uh, you're going to hear the tease first here? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess you did. There will be a television project that's going to be announced soon, possibly even today, but it'll probably be next week. 
And that'll be so, just all you got to say is this, Dale. Are you excited about it? I am. All right. Um, that's all we're going to tell them. Hey, yeah. we're doing a TV show. That's it for now. It's right, called a it. tease for a reason. That is called a tease. Yeah. <clears throat> all right. All right. Uh, let's see here. Um, Copeland Zach asks, what do you attribute to having such continued success at restrictor plate tracks? What? What do you attribute your restrictor plate oh, track success? I can see the air. <laughs> <laughs> what does it look like? Sometimes it's clean. Sometimes it's dirty. Hey, <laughs> is it the same air you see when you're cycling? Yes. It is. Yes. I'm learning quite a bit about drafting and cycling. Do you think that you're going to take anything you've learned from cycling <laughs> to Talladega this yes. week? I knew somebody would ask that. I just didn't think it would be you. Yeah. <laughs> I am. Oh, really? What is that? Yeah. Well, I don't want to tell everybody my secrets. So if Matt Kenseth gets ahead of him, we're yeah. screwed. See ya. <laughs> He's like, Matt don't slow no down for nothing. All right. <laughs> I don't know really what uh, – I think that, I, you know, I don't know why we seem to have so much success other than these things. Um, obviously, I need the car to do certain – I need the car to be a certain way. So the car's got to be great. And uh, when you don't, you know, when your car isn't able to do the things you want it to do, um, you're not going to be able to, you know, look as good. So the car's a key component. It has to have certain attribute, attributes and abilities. And I know what I'm looking for so I can uh, communicate to the crew chief uh, whether it's doing those things or not. Um, so maybe some guys don't know exactly what they're looking for in their car or what they need their car to do. Yep. Uh, so there's that obviously going in there with a lot of confidence, you know, if you feel confident about making moves, you're going to make them. If you don't have confidence in making a move, a lot of times you think twice about it and someone else makes that move before you and takes that opportunity away from you. So, uh, maybe having the confidence, uh, to, to be, a, to be able to make, uh, moves on instinct and trust it is a big deal. Uh, you see that plate racing seems to um, – you seem to have the same guys up front. Like uh, I list a couple guys that I think always seem to show up at the front of the races. Though. One of them's like people some, – sometimes it's guys that you don't think of as um, as some of the, the best in the business overall. But like Jamie McMurray always runs up front in the cup races. He always finds his way to the front. Kurt Busch always seems to find his way towards the front of the pack. Won a Daytona 500 this year. Um, there's a handful of guys. Denny Hamlin, he's one of the best plate racers out there. Joe Logano always seems to find his way to the front at the plate races. These, uh, Those races and that style of racing seem to fit certain personalities. Certain people... Um, seem to always do well there. So I think it also has something to do with your, you know, the pers the personality you have. Your approach. If you yeah. go in hating it. Like Mark Martin always said he hated it. Yeah. He never liked restricted right. plate rating. And he didn't win very many. Yeah. Games. All right. Let's see. Precon 40 asks, what is the most heart-touching present that a fan has ever given you during your career? Oh, yeah. This is a good one. I was um, – a fan gave me one of my dad's driving suits. So it was from his IROC days, and I guess um, 
So if you have a Dale Earnhardt driver suit in your closet, is your first instinct to give it to me? Probably not. It's probably, wow, I got this badass driver suit. I'm going to hang it up in my house or Where? put it in my man cave or maybe I'll walk around the house with it, with it on. So I was floored that this fan was going to give up this incredible suit and let me have it. I just couldn't believe it. And he didn't want anything other than just a picture with me. It wasn't, you know, a lot. Some, people's, some people will reach out to us and say, hey, man, I got this truck Dale Earnhardt used to own. His name's on the title. How much do Dale want to pay for it? And we don't ever buy anything, right? <clears throat> so we're like, yeah, if you're wanting to sell it, you might as well just hang on to it. Or sell it to someone else because I'm, uh, I'm not into buying this stuff. So I was blown away this guy was going to give it to me. I just couldn't believe it. Almost brought me to tears. This happened at Indy last year. I was walking through the garage. A guy walked up. He was almost in tears. Handed it to me. And then I was almost in tears. It's a really good moment. Yeah. I, I was there. Yeah. <laughs> Tyler you, was there. Why uh, were you almost in tears? <laughs> no, I was actually in shock. Yeah. I was like, holy crap. Yeah. Where did yeah. you get it? And it's legit. I, mean, I've, I was looking at it. Pretty legit. So that kind of stuff like that is really cool. Kevin Harvick had an autographed die cast that uh, my dad had signed for him and Harvick gave that to me thought that was pretty thoughtful I remember that that was very thoughtful and it meant a lot to Harvick to give <clears> it to, give to, it to me yep yeah I remember that yep uh very cool um how oh, questions coming in all over the place <laughs> so, so, don't answer this somebody's uh asked well, what's the what's the crappiest thing somebody's ever given you so I I don't know that that's a good answer so we'll just move on what's the crappiest thing are you asking me I don't know I don't know what the no, I mean probably a, a cold. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see here. How do you find? Oh, here we go. How do you find your next driver for either your late model or Xfinity series team? Oh man! Well, sometimes these kids come to us, and um, they have uh, some financial support, and we'll look at their resume and decide, you know, whether we think that they they would be. Uh, someone we'd like to spend some time with. And uh, obviously, you know, we don't we don't want to uh, take somebody to the racetrack year, week after week after week that we don't feel like can be competitive. Uh, it certainly helps that they have their own financial support or sponsorship pa backing them. Uh, but we obviously try to partner with somebody we feel like can can help us win races. And we can have, you know, our guys that are working on the car can have a lot of fun with. Uh, that's part of it. That's that'll be one of that. You know, we have two cars. Typically, that's what one. That's what takes up one car. The other car, uh, we had a sponsorship with, and we've struggled to find a replacement since they've left. Uh, but that's the car Josh Berry drives, and I, you know, I believe in Josh. I believe in his talent, and we're going to try to keep working with him till we hopefully get an opportunity to get a get him in a truck or an Xfinity car for a multiple uh, race deal, and. You just work on that and keep on working and keep on hoping that something's going to come together. Um, eventually, you know, if it doesn't come together, and this has happened in the past, uh, Josh has to make a decision whether he's going to con you know, continue trying to put together deals to drive cars or maybe he wants to become a mechanic or an engineer or something like that. We worked with a guy as a driver for a really long time, and he is now crew chief in the Xfinity Series. His name is Richard Basel. Richard used to run my late models and then our, our uh, K&N car. And uh, Hooters broke up. And eventually, you know, time 
ran out. You know, you just kind of know when you got to make a decision to, to do what's right for your family. And uh, Boswell uh, became a full-time engineer here at Junior Motorsports, got out of the driver's seat. And uh, now he's a crew chief over at Haas for uh, their affinity team. So that's that's kind of, it's you know, it's either going to work out for Josh or, you know, he's going to have to eventually make that choice. That's a tough, tough, tough crossroads to come to, but hopefully we'll get him an opportunity. We're gonna, we've got a few more years to push and push and try to make something happen. All right, we've had a couple questions here about what you're going to plan on doing after retirement. Would you consider being a Redskins season ticket holder? I don't know. I mean, probably not because uh, I still want to work. So I'm not, you know, hopefully I'm at the racetrack on the weekends working. There you go. Here's an interesting question. I just, I, whoever asked it, I, it went away too quickly, but it's a good question. Do you wish that NASCAR had a dollar cap to make it more affordable for race teams? That'd be hard to monitor. Man, right? it would. It would be, but let's just think hypothetically. I mean, if there was some sort of way to figure that out. I think that would be cool. You mean what they can find it, spend financially on research and engineering, and or is it like a driver salary? or? I think all-encompassing. Mm. Yeah, I'm getting ahead. It'd be difficult. <laughs> It'd be so I hard to monitor, though. Yeah, it would be. It is. Um, hard, impossible. BT Nelson three twenty five asks, "When are you going to ride shotgun with Trucker Squigs again, our Me, truck driver on the eighty eight? We just talked about that. I oh, think, did you? Yep, I think I'm going to go uh, with him again to Daytona in July. I like that trip, so that's the plan. We won last time that you did that. Mm-hmm. Driving the nationwide uh, patriotic scheme, the black one with the American flag on the bottom. Mm-hmm. That was a good one. Good looking car." What are you most looking forward to with retirement? Honeydew list, free time, family time? Um, Very vague. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what am I most looking forward to in retirement? I think that, um, yeah, I'm, mo- I'm most looking forward to uh, the next opportunity. You know, what's what's going to be career number two? And, um, you know, how can I, you know, how can I be good at it? How can I be successful? There's a lot of things that are exciting. Obviously, uh, you know, being a little more involved in junior motorsports, uh, continuing our podcast and growing this business with you, Mike. Oh, man, that, that is, means a lot. Is exciting. Uh, other opportunities outside of racing, you know, we'll have the opportunity, just like you said, we got a TV show coming up we're going to announce. Uh, things like that are going to be fun as they co- as they present themselves and we kind of bet through what, uh, what things we can do, want to do. A lot of cool stuff, uh, a lot of cool opportunities. I think people are going to be um, interested. <laughs> I'm asking the question. I don't care. Mm-hmm. What do you order when you go to Taco Bell? Two chicken soft tacos, two beef soft tacos. There you go. Lots of mild sauce. Gross. <laughs> what do you get? Is that gross? I, don't, I just don't go to Taco Bell. You I don't? haven't ate Taco uh, Bell. I hadn't ate I, Taco Bell in like five years. Amy got it yesterday. <laughs> I would go there because that's the only place wow. you can get that. I know it. Um, I thought that you knew. That's why I thought you asked the question because you knew no, we it, ate Taco actually, Bell yesterday. It actually came up. Did you guys tweet about it or something? No. Amy might have. She okay. posted on Instagram. She did. Okay. Yeah, tacos are freaking awesome. Uh, do you remember this? You and I, this was years ago. There's no way you remember this, but we went to the Taco Bell drive through and then we ordered a, a good bit, and then we realized neither one of us actually have any money to pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> 
Did you remember that? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I, can't, I, I, I walked in here today without my wallet. Yeah, exactly. Tyler I had to let that. me in. Bro- I don't go. Is the, it? The brokest rich guy I've ever known in my life. I don't, walk, I, don't take, I don't walk around with a wallet or any money in my pocket. Ever. Let me ask you a question. If you get pulled over for speeding and you don't have your wa- license, is that, is that, you get in trouble for that? Jail. Go, what? Yeah. You You're not going to, j- no, if you have a license, but you left it at home. Why well, don't, why would I believe you? That's what they all can criminals type it say. Into their, they can type it into the that laptop. Should be, you, you, you get in trouble for that kind of thing. You they can type into the a, laptop on the console and see you have a driver's license. Driving without a license is a thing. I don't a, think that driving without a – I think driving without a license means driving without actually having a real license, period. Not I left my home. You not gotta, I left it at home. Should, shouldn't you have clarified this before you started driving without a license? It's a ticket. People are saying serious trouble. Yeah. No, I'm a police officer. You wouldn't get in trouble. You go to jail for irresponsibility. Big trouble, Jim. You get a warning. These people are all over the place. <laughs> so if I left my license at home, I'm going to go over to HMS today with nothing in my pockets, right? Will I get in trouble if I get pulled over? Yes. I, th- I think If he will. pulls me over and says, I'm going to give you a speeding ticket, and I don't have my license, but I got my registration... Is he going to give me a, an additional ticket for leaving, like, dry, license at home? Everybody outside is shaking their head. Gosh. Yes. I won't know, I'm more nervous now. You ought to be. It's going to be touch and go today. I'm nervous for you. Do I go ahead and write the press release? This, but I do this every day. Do I, I don't. Go, speed I just, demon Dale Earnhardt <laughs> Jr. Yeah. I didn't think you had to have it. I'm like, what, what, what purpose you did you think there was? Where did you get that? Of course you got to have a driver's license. I know you have to have one. But nobody would carry their driver's license if it wasn't important to, oh, to have it. Man. Like, no. who would carry it? That makes sense, too. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Uh, I'm going to have to... Shot in the dark here. Do you carry your registration? Yes. It's okay. in the glove box. Okay. But, but put your driver's license in the glove box. Mm. Nah, don't do that. You need one for every car. If you uh, only have one car, then he's yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. These are Dale Jr. problems, but not really real-world problems. <laughs> All right. Uh, do we want to end on that, or do we want to do one more here? Let's do one more. All right. I'll ask uh, Michael Condelli's question. What determines yours or any other driver's weekly paint scheme schedule? Huh? Okay, Let's- so this is how the um, paint schemes are sorted out for our team. Um, nationwide gets first choice, and I think that it's kind of like a draft. Um, and I believe nationwide, I don't know. You might know this. Do they pick? Do they alternate? Like nationwide picks a race, Exalta picks a race, or does nationwide pick all their races and Exalta no, takes what's left? No, no. Exalta, nationwide picks one, Exalta picks two. Um, I'm not sure who like who gets like three, four, five. Right. I don't think it necessarily alternates just because nationwide has more. Yeah, but nationwide gets first pick, and right. obviously they take the five hundred. Right. Exalta's first pick is always Homestead. Gotcha. The last race. Yeah. And I think usually Mountain Dew's first race that they choose is the Fall Talladega. They gotcha. always activate around that one. Mm-hmm. So there you go. That answers that. We got a couple. Uh, we might have a... Ah, gosh, I'm going to throw it out there. We might, we might have a special paint scheme for Homestead. Maybe. Maybe. Oh, boy. And if it happens, I'm really excited. just... What? You're I, scaring me. I'm excited. You're driving without a license right now. You're <laughs> scaring me, man. Yeah. Um, all right. That's all I got. Tyler's you, not scared. Do you? <laughs> do, do I'm you also not riding with you today, so this is Tyler. Is this is Tyler frightened? 
Looking ahead, there's not much to look ahead for. I know it's a light pretty, week. Yeah, pretty light week. I got thir- uh, today, pretty much today off. I'll go over to HMS and do our meetings. Try not to get pulled over. And uh, nothing Wednesday and Thursday, so I'm going to try to get Amy uh, to the bike store and get her set up so she'll go riding with me one time. Uh, Friday, we got two practices, and we'll be in race trim for both of those. We'll probably go out uh, and draft. There's an opportunity where everybody's ready to draft at the start of both of those practices. And then once you come off the track, uh, the pack sort of dissipates, and we'll do single car runs probably the rest of those practices. That is exhilarating to watch. It's pretty freaking boring. Saturday, we had the Xfinity race at 1 p.m., on uh, Fox, the big Fox. And then qualifying is at 4 p.m. Notice I put in the notes WTF. WTF. Yeah. Why is it after the race? That's interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that, they won't, Maybe they think more people will watch putting it behind the race. Maybe. So, uh, yep, qualifying is at 4 p.m. after the Xfinity race on Saturday. Sunday, the race starts at 2 p.m. on Fox. 2 p.m. starts. Boy, they're getting them every week. Well, I mean, this is 2 p.m. Eastern. It'll be 1 p.m. in the central time zone where the race is, but still. Interesting. All right. Well, that's it. Uh, Hope you guys uh, enjoyed the show. The Dale Jr. Download and all Dirty Mo Radio podcasts are made possible by Exalta. You can subscribe to all eight podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and all major podcasting outlets. As always, you can listen to Dirty Mo Radio podcasts on DaleJr.com. 
Follow us on Twitter at Dell Jr., at Overstreet Tyler, and at Dirty Mo Radio. Also, check out the Dirty Mo Radio Facebook page. Thanks to Tyler, as always, for co-hosting and producing the show. Today's theme song, Sins, is by The Dangerous Summer, courtesy of Hopeless Records. Thanks for listening to Dirty Mo Radio. 